It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. In today's episode, we talk about posture. Brandon and I talk about, is there such thing as a perfect posture? And if so, what is it? We talk a little bit about posture as it relates to pain. We bust some myths surrounding posture. We talk about sitting as the new smoking. I really think you'll enjoy the content of this episode. And if you haven't already, please go on to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's how we uh, reach more people. It's also a great place to leave a comment of something you want us to talk about on a future episode. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Brandon and I are here to talk to you about posture, uh, talking about you know a lot of myths that are surrounding posture and you know when posture really matters. But but Brandon, I just want to ask you a question first. Like I'm sitting down right now. Am I slowly dying? Um, you're accumulating those death minutes, right? Isn't that what they call death it? Minutes. Yeah, I mean, I sitting <laughs> is basically smoking now, isn't it? That's right. I think someone uh, wrote a whole book off of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I know we're, we're being a little uh, facetious there, and uh, I think we'll explain that a little bit more, but uh, I think that kind of brings us to our, our first kind of talking point, and the first question I have for you, man, is, is there a perfect posture? Uh, the quick answer is, is no. No, I do not believe that there is a such thing as a perfect posture, but I do want to back up a little bit too, because I think that it's important that we define posture first, because mm -hmm. it's simply put, posture is just another word for position, right? So mm -hmm. in this case, this would be the position that we hold our bodies in. And, you know, for example, right now, I am leaning over a desk right now, talking into my microphone, my posture would quote unquote suck based off our societal norms, but it's all relative to whatever the task is at hand, right? So there's a posture for running. Again, position. There's a posture for combat sports, weightlifting, shooting. I mean, you can really insert any activity you want into that. <clears throat> and then within that, there's going to be some prerequisites that are going to be needed to assume and maintain postures like mobility, like endurance and strength. But I think that when the layman hears the word posture, they're automatically thinking about static postures, like the way we sit or the way we stand. And, I, and I'm sure that's probably what we're going to spend most of our time and energy on tonight with this episode. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, for me, I love uh, the saying that I've adopted um, that basically is, 
you know, I've heard it from you and from other people that your best posture posture is really your next posture and that we're meant to be moving. So that was kind of alluding to that joke kind of that I put in the beginning, asking you if I was slowly dying while sitting, sitting itself is not bad. Being slouched periodically is not necessarily bad. Standing up all the time is not always good. You know, we, we are meant to be moving and changing, you know, being fluid with our positioning. You know, you know, we're not meant to stay in one static position for long periods of time. So, um, I, you know, I love when I have you know, clients come in and I have some that have taken so far with this and they're, they're like, yeah, you know, I know I shouldn't be sitting, you know, say our initial conversation. So like I stand up at work, I've got a standing desk and I'll talk to them and they're like, yeah, I, I basically stand up the whole day. And I'm like, you're, you're standing for eight to 10 hours. Like, yeah. I was like, that's not good either. Right. That's you, we don't want to be doing that necessarily either. Um, so I think that I, I, there's, uh, some misconceptions with like there, that there is some perfect ideal posture for that everyone needs to achieve, um, or position that everyone needs to achieve. And I think that you brought up another good point that it differs when we're talking about like loaded and unloaded. There are certain positions or postures that we need to necessarily, that we need to maintain for say safety and efficiency when it comes to performing a certain action. So a lot of times the activity dictates the positioning that's needed. But, you know, again, sitting a little while, standing a little while, moving around, picking things up off the ground, putting them over your head, you know, sitting back down, standing back up, changing positions, you know, while you're at work, while at your desk, like that's the most important thing is always staying moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree hundred percent, man. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, j- just like you said, as human beings, we're designed to to bend over, to extend, to rotate. I mean, our, our spines are, are capable of tremendous loads of, you know, producing, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, absorbing tremendous forces and, and all all kinds of things like that. And, you know, I I would think that, um, if, if we were as fragile as the medical model sometimes makes this out to be, our, our species would have been extinct thousands of years ago. Um, so a a lot of times people do get hyper-focused on posture. Um, it's, it's, it seems to be a big concern with a lot of patients and, um, you know, it, there are times when it matters, but a lot of times it's not as important as one might think. And, um, you know, we can probably talk, dive in that a little bit more about how to, maybe how to approach it with people too. Yeah. And that's one of those things too, that I think sometimes we, we just assume a lot of times, I think this is in the PT realm too, but you know, just in general as a society that, you know, if we're in pain and we, uh, you know, we identify that maybe our our positioning or sitting or standing posture doesn't look like it should be in textbook, that that is directly the reason or the cause for whatever pain syndrome is going on. And that's, that's not necessarily true, right? We don't, we know that posture and positioning doesn't necessarily equal pain, right? Could there be a, right. you know, a contribution? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like that, that's potentially there, but we've got to dig a little deeper. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, if someone's coming to me and I think that they're, you know, positioning again, I'm usually working with them in the, in the gym with, you know, their, their resting position or their positioning as I go through uh, these different movements doesn't allow them to achieve the position that I think they need to for what they're trying to do. So say they want to, you know, do, you know, compete in CrossFit or they're a CrossFitter and they do their local uh, class or, or whatever it might be, or, or they just want to, you know, be able to pick things up off the ground better. And you go through this and, and they can't get into what I would deem are, are good positions. Well, yeah, then I'm going to address it. And I'm, you know, oftentimes, you know, it comes to, you know, a very specific movement slash mobility slash stability slash strengthening program, whatever you want to call it. Um, it 
because usually it's multifaceted, but you got to figure out, okay, if there's something that's tight, maybe I'm going to stretch or maybe I'm going to do some soft tissue work. If there's something that's weak. Maybe I'm going to strengthen that a little bit. Maybe I'm going to work on, on, you know, for me, a lot of times it, you know, it's, it's opening somebody up, loosen up their pecs a little bit, getting them stronger, work into a little bit more T-spine extension like that. I'm working on that with a lot of people to help, you know, them get overhead a little bit easier. So for me, it's often like, okay, how is their function affected by their current positioning? And then can I do things to alter that positioning to allow them to function a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the points I want to just uh, echo is, you know, what you just said about, you know, how to manage it. It's, it's, it can be as simple as if something is tight, spend a little bit of time doing something to decrease tone, loosen it up, you know, things that are stuck in a lengthened position, maybe spend a little bit of time, extra time loading them, you know, quote unquote, activating them and that kind of thing. And I think, um, you know, in the clinic too, you know, there, there are times when posture absolutely matters. I mean, if there's a, a rapid change in the symptoms when you a rapid change in someone's symptoms when you address their posture, it definitely matters. I mean, there are some people that have pain in their leg that might be coming from their back. And as soon as you change their position, it goes away. And if that's the case, you, you need to spend some time on that. Right. And if people come in to the clinic and it matters to them, you know, they're really, really fixated on it and put a lot of, you know, thought and belief into how their posture is affecting their symptoms and affecting their pain, then that's another case where it matters. And that's where, you know, the psychology of how you decide you're going to approach that with a patient um, is, is, is really interesting. I think it's, it's something that's always been fascinating to me. Um, you know, I think that um, <clears throat> it's, it's a, that's a lot like other things we see in the clinic. You know, w- once I get to the point where someone's actually feeling better, you know, maybe it's not the first day of treatment. Maybe it's like that second or third visit. That's when I might start the conversation about like, Hey, you know what? Maybe your posture didn't matter so much. And, and now you don't have to be so hyper-focused on, you know, is my head too far forward or is, are my shoulders too rounded? You know, instead we can just focus on movement, right? Because movement is what got you feeling better. Maybe instead of focusing on like your static sitting position at work, we could think about just getting up and moving better throughout the day. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just sleight of hand, right? So, you know, whenever the left hand is moving, there's always something hidden in the right. Um, but the trick was that your, your sitting position and, and your sitting posture probably didn't matter in the first place because all we did was load you up and get you moving. And that's what got you better. That makes mm-hmm. sense. No, I think that's great, man. And I love that you brought it back to sometimes the, what we're telling people and, and the language part of it. We've talked about it before multiple times. Like the last thing I want to come to, you know, say to somebody is, Hey, you have horrible posture. Like, I, you know, like what, do, what good does that do? If you tell somebody, you could be, you know, from societal norms, that perspective, think that someone does have horrible posture, right? They could, mm-hmm. they could have a really forward head position. Their shoulders could be rounded. They could be sitting in a massive pelvic tilt. And you're looking there like, oh man, this is a crappy posture by again, societal norms, what we think posture, you know, a good posture looks like. But again, the, the, you're not, the, how you talk to them is so important. The last thing you want to do is like, hey, your posture sucks, you know, and that's probably why you hurt. You know, because then they're going to be, you know, you know, so fixated on, on that. And that's not really what's going to get them better. Right. It's going to be, like you said, figuring out, okay, if something's tight, how do I loosen it up? You know, how do I decrease some tone? If something's weak, how can I get it stronger? Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, it's more about, you know, you know, loading them up in appropriately, you know, doing some, you know, you know, quote unquote mobility or stretching or type of things like that to loosen them up a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, we'll focus more on that and talk about, hey, we can do some things to help improve positioning. I like to use the word positioning. So that way we can do X, Y, and Z. 
right? That's, that's where I go with it. Um, and, and I also recognize that there's going to be individual variants between, you know, different people, not only, you know, in their resting positions, but even their loaded positions too. So not everybody's going to run exactly the same. Not everybody's going to deadlift exactly the same. Not everybody's going to squat the same. Not everybody's going to reach overhead the same. Uh, not everybody's going to sit the same. Not everybody's just going to stand the same. So there is no right or wrong. And even if I have in my mind what I think is necessary for, you know, to help them achieve a better position, I've got to also recognize it might not be how they're built. And it might be that their position is totally fine. It's not any, you know, nothing, there's nothing that needs to be corrected about it. So um, I think we, we, uh, we like to fix things in a strength conditioning and a rehab world. We like to think that, you know, there's something wrong. Let's fix it. And posture is an easy one to be like, oh man, look at this person. They've got, you know, X, Y, and Z going on. I'm going to give them the, you know, these five stretches to do, and it's going to fix their posture and they're going to be out of pain. It's really not that simple. Oh yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, yeah, the body has a, is highly, highly capable of fixing itself and, mm-hmm. and we're just facilitators end of the day. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it goes back to our role as therapists to make sure we're not adding into that fear mongering and instead being a hope dealer in a lot of ways. And this, this whole conversation is, is actually really fitting because I just got back from a McKinsey course all weekend. So it was actually the, the part a, uh, the lumbar course. So it was good, man. Uh, you know, some of it was a little old school, uh, but the principles for classification, they still hold true. And for me, like my McKinsey knowledge has always been second hand. Um, but it's pretty much how I've always treated and classified like ridiculopathies and people who have pain in their leg that might be coming from their back. But one interesting things, um, you know, I thought I'd bring up just since it's fresh in my mind is one of their classifications is what they call postural syndrome. And essentially the way they define that is just that sustained stress on normal tissue. So the analogy that they've used for this, it's been around since the beginning of time. I'm sure you probably got this from PT school, um, is that if you just take your index finger and you pull it back as far as it goes, it has a limit and it's going to ache if you stay there long enough, but the tissue isn't damaged, right? So once you release it, that ache is going to ease off. So if you're like a hardcore McKinsey therapist, they would tell you just to, you know, correct their posture, give them a lumbar roll and, and expect them to be a little bit deconditioned for it. And they're going to get a little bit sore at first. And that's about as far as they go with it. But, you know, in my opinion, you know, these are the people just like everyone else that you really got to get moving. And, um, you know, most of the times, you know, these type of patients are going to be teenagers, right? So, you know, these are kids that sit all day in class and they go home and they play Fortnite or play on their phones after that. And, you know, in my opinion, these are golden opportunities to get them bought into being lifelong movers, right? So this is like a chance to be proactive instead of reactive, like we always say we want to be. And so, you know, these, these are the kind of people that we're going to train, right? We're going to push, pull, squat, hinge, and carry and, and have some fun doing it. Um, so again, you know, I think that's a way where you can sort of leverage the patient's you know, thought process of, of what posture is and why it may or may not matter to your advantage and make them better in the long run, make them independent with their care. Yeah, man. And I think, you know, that's, that's gold. And I'm so glad that you were able to take that course because I'm, you know, hopefully, you know, speaking of secondhand knowledge, I'm hoping to acquire as much secondhand McKenzie knowledge from you as I can uh, now that <laughs> you do uh, what's fresh in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Hey, while you and Kyle went, man, I'm gonna be asking a million questions over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I hope to, you know, one day maybe go through that myself as well. Um, but, you know, from a strength and conditioning perspective, um, you know, there's, you know, I know we quote Dan John here a lot, man. And I think it's because it's so 
he puts things so simply and you know it, it's something that most people can kind of relate to and can see in their mind they can understand it and he talks about you know in a couple of his books and you know they aren't necessarily original ideas but he talks about you know his his tonic muscles that you know are usually ones that are prone to you know increased tone you know hence the name tonic that you might want to you know work on trying to find ways to decrease tone in and those are things like your your pecs and your biceps your hip flexors that you know those type of things that are prone to getting a little bit tight and then your your phasic muscles are muscles that tend to possibly get a little weaker and those are the muscles of your your mid back your glutes you know that kind of thing so um i, I there's it's very easy to just kind of get in that habit of starting to look and be like okay i'm probably going to do with a lot of my weekend warriors that come in or a lot of my you know people that have you know what i say quote unquote real jobs so they're they're uh, they're not in the gym all day they're uh, they're you know sitting at a desk or or, or going about their day I'm probably going to incorporate a little bit more some some things that are you know range of motion oriented or tone oriented regarding their their you know, those tonic muscles to try to help loosen them up a little bit prior to training. And I'm probably gonna make sure I'm doing a lot of stuff to strengthen all those phasic muscles, which is gonna help uh, in the long run. So I'm gonna do a lot of mid-back work, a lot of pulling, a lot of hip extension stuff, really trying to load and get their glutes strong. I mean it, it's stuff that just makes sense conceptually. So if you're if you're not sure where to start with some of those things, that's usually a good place to start. Again, you want to assess each person individually, um, but in general a lot of times you can, you can, I mean, read some Dan John stuff. You'll see, you know, there's certain muscles that are prone to getting a little tight, certain muscles that are prone to getting a little bit of weak, and that's a good place to start. Yeah, it makes sense. And typically it's easy for the patient to pick up on that and digest it too. I mean, what it comes down to is can your client or your patient process the information that you're giving them? And Dan John always has a really good way of making things simple. And, uh, and whenever you can do that, that's definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you know, one thing I wanted to circle back around to was how we kind of started out this conversation <clears throat> talking about how the, the, the saying, the quote, sitting is the smoking of regeneration. And again, that, that quote is good because it got the conversation started, right? It mm-hmm. was something that got people moving more. So it is a good thing. I'm glad that K-Star came up with that one. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was just what are your thoughts about, you know, how you would address this with during the workday, the the eight hours plus outside of the gym with some of your clients? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is knowing that you should probably not go from zero to 100 right away, right? So if you've been sitting pretty much the entire day and the only time you get up is to go to the bathroom or you get up to walk to the break room to sit down again to eat lunch, you probably don't want to go to a standing desk and stand for eight hours tomorrow, right? It's probably not going to go that well. So uh, usually what I try to do is come up with some type of strategy to slowly increase their time away from the chair if they're coming from, say, that side of the spectrum, right? So for me, it's as easy as, you know, in putting some type of habit in place. So say it's, you know, they talk on the phone for a amount. It's like, hey, you can sit throughout the entire day, but anytime you talk on the phone, I want you to stand up while you're talking. And, and something simple as that where they, they don't, you know, really have to think about it too much. It's like, oh man, my phone's ringing or I got to make calls. It's like, oh, I stand up while I'm talking. That's a great way to do something because it, it gets them in a routine there. Or it's, it's as simple as telling them, hey, I want you to try to set, you know, set a little alarm, like an alarm that's like a vibrate alarm on your phone that goes off, you know, every, you know, start even, you know, it can be every hour first or every half hour. It's like, hey, I want you to do it. And then you're just going to stand up. You're going to stand up. You're going to twist a little bit. Maybe reach down, touch your toes, maybe walk across the office and back, sit back down 
okay, I'll go back to work. Just little habits like that that are increasing their movement throughout the day. And eventually you build on that, right? And you get them to where they're they're moving, you know, a lot more frequently and spending, you know, you know, 10 or 15 minutes in this position and 10 or 15 minutes in that position and then, you know, whatever it might be that's appropriate for that person. But I think going from zero to a hundred is what some people try to do. And that can lead to some issues because again, we're not necessarily meant for, you know, standing all that time too. Right. So that's where I usually start with it, man. I don't know. Uh, what do you usually do when people come to you and you think they need to, uh, you know, alter their work day? I mean, it's, it's definitely different depending on the person in front of you. Like it, it, it depends, right. That's the, uh, that's the short answer there. But, um, like we've already said before, you know, we, as human beings, we're not designed to be in one position for too long, whether that's sitting, whether that's standing. And we, you already said it, we already said it, that there's no such thing as a perfect posture. And so that whole, concept the whole narrative of like sitting extremely upright in a chair like a soldier you know that that whole narrative was actually not created by anyone in the medical field whatsoever that was actually created by companies that sell ergonomic equipment and by definition the word ergonomic that is the study of work efficiency that's not designed for your health right so ergonomic equipment is designed to make you a better worker bee but to your demise from a healthcare standpoint so you know there, there is some correlation between people that just do sit eight hours a day and they, them having a higher risk of comorbidities. And there are certainly going to be a lot of performance implications with that too. If you have someone who is a competitive insert sport here and they're in one position throughout the day, it's going to be tough for them to, you know, express movement like with a snatch or, you know, if they're a cyclist runner, whatever it might be. Um, but again, you know, when you break it down and you're encouraging people to move frequently throughout the day, that's another good way to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, so just whatever you can do to change positions frequently. So I like what you mentioned, uh, the strategy about people changing their behaviors to, to sort of, you know, the, the Pavlovian thing about standing up every time the phone rings. Um, but I do have some people that just really like numbers, right? So I have one that I use for some people called the 20 to two rule. And what that is, is every 20 minutes, get up for two minutes. Go talk to someone, stand up at your desk, get a cup of water, uh, bang your head up against the wall, whatever. You know, if it's feasible and doesn't interrupt your workflow, get a timer for your phone. There's one called the Stand Up app, which is basically just a glorified timer. And is that based on hard science? Sort of, not really. I mean, we know that when we manipulate or we crack someone's neck or their back, there is this refractory period. That's an average of 20 minutes before it's going to crack again. So the thought process is you know, maybe that's a time frame where it's the start of our nervous system kind of getting adapted to being in a sustained position. But um, 20 to 2 rule, real easy to communicate, real easy to remember. And that's what I use for some of my people. And some of them are bought into it. Yeah. No, I love that you said everybody's a little different. Everybody's individual. We've got to assess the person, figure out what works for them. Um, you know, like you said, you're, you know, we don't want to go zero to a hundred, but the app might be some way that really gets somebody bought in. You just got to, you know, assess the person in front of you, talk to them. You're getting to know them. You're creating a relationship with them. You're developing, you're, you're, you're basically growing together. So there's a chance for you to really make a big impact from a preventive standpoint, like we talked about, but also, you know, uh, you know, starting to potentially correct quote unquote, if there's something that you feel like we need to work on. And a lot of that comes to, you know, trying to figure out what's going to get them to do what you need them to do. You know, giving them a, you know, a ton of parameters might not work for everybody. And some people love numbers. Some people are really structured. You just got to figure out what works for that person. Um, but in general, if the person is sitting forward, leaning over a desk, te- typing all day, probably need to, you know, work them into extension when they come in and get them moving a little bit. You know, it's none of this stuff is, is, 
what I'd say like rocket science or groundbreaking. It's just kind of figuring out the person in front of you, what do they need? And, and, and then going from there. Mm-hmm. I like it, man. Yeah. Well, before we sign off, I know you got, um, you got some athletes competing this week, right? Yeah, we got the mid, yeah, the mid Atlantic CrossFit Championship. I believe is the uh, full name of it. It's one of the sanctioned uh, CrossFit events now that uh, the CrossFit Games has gone to. Got a few athletes on a couple of different teams, so um, really excited for them to go there. You know, they they did well in the qualifier. Again, there's some great teams there, so it's going to be a tough to you know you have to win the whole thing to go to the games, right? So uh, you know, hopefully uh, they have great weekends coming up. I'm excited for that one. Um, I unfortunately will not be there. There's some poor scheduling on my part. Uh, we have, we're hosting a body tempering course in Columbia, which again, awesome. So excited for that, but it happens to be a weekend where I didn't realize I needed to probably be away. So, um, I won't be there, but if they're in, if they're in games qualifying position, either of those teams going into Sunday, I might drive through tonight, Saturday night, get there, uh, and, uh, you know, try to be there to support them, but you know, they know what they're doing. They, they've, they've got all got good heads on their shoulders. They've put in the work. They, uh, they're going to do well. Yeah, clearly, clearly I'm still not used to the change because I just called it the Mid-Atlantic Regional. Um, <laughs> it's hard, man. Yeah, I mean, we're all used to it, man. Now the Open's over and, and you know, we've gone through it. And even even that was a little bit hectic trying to figure out who qualified and who, you know, yeah. you know how far down when they're going to backfill all these other sanctioned events. It's it, it will get better because the Open is now going to October. So it will be the first qualifying event would be the Open versus like they've already had all these events. So it will be like, uh, you know, there won't be like backfilling of the sanctioned events that have already happened. So it will get a little bit easier and a little bit more streamlined. They'll work out the kinks. It'll end up being a good system. But yeah, we're all kind of uh, figuring it out slowly. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll shout out the Team Vertex because uh, I know yeah, everyone has worked Vertex. incredibly hard to get this point. Um, I'm expecting a podium finish. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would, do, that would be awesome. There are some great athletes, man. Got to give a shout out to all four of them. And then um, we've got another team there too. Um, Raw Training um, is another one for realizing the athlete within his name. That's a gym up in Pittsburgh where they they train. Um, and so uh, that's one of our remote teams. We've got a couple squads going at it. Um, pumped to see you know that vertex v um all over the floor so uh hopefully that vertex v ends up on the podium too no no pressure at all guys um (laughs) it's going to be a fun weekend either way yeah man but you know also for you as a coach that's got to be rewarding to see your product the fruits of your labor on display at such a such a high level competition there man that's that's a that's good stuff there they make me look good i can't complain man they (laughs) i I, you know that's the the key to coaching is just finding really good athletes that 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 do it well on their own right that's just what it is (laughs) but uh no i have to i am very fortunate to get to work with uh some extremely hard-working individuals and you know they everyone every one of those two teams man they they deserve anything they get from this weekend because they, they put in all the work, man. I just uh, try to help them, you know, sometimes get out of their own way from doing too much a lot of times. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're all awesome. And they're also awesome humans too. So uh, really pulling for all, all eight of them, you know, we got with both teams there. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause when you're at that level, everybody's working hard, right? Sometimes it comes down to, I imagine it's got to come down to who recovered better, who, strategize better uh that sort of thing so i think yeah. the, the coaching is really gonna be on display a little bit at this this kind of thing too yeah it's very easy to do too much and that's that's kind of one of those things especially in the age of instagram where you know there are some athletes that get away with doing a lot of stuff and doing probably more volume than they even need to um 
you know, sometimes uh, we get shiny object syndrome and uh, mm -hmm. everybody wants to be doing everything at all times. But uh, thankfully, you know, it, a lot of it's just, again, effective communication, explaining why we do things and, and how, you know, seasons are important. You know, there is a season to the sport and we have to treat it like that. And that's uh, something that, hap you know, happens over time. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when they buy in, that's when they really, really see all the progress outstanding and then you alluded to it already but we have the next body tempering certification coming up yep this yeah, saturday, this saturday the 13th you got, man you got seven days to grow that power beard out i know man I'm, i i just shaved too because i went to a wedding yesterday shout out to uh uh actually my my classmate Corey stewart he was on here when we did the episode what? episode uh for congrats, um, Corey. yep Corey got married yesterday i uh, went to that wedding it was awesome congrats Corey and hannah uh Corey's also my partner on my uh research project for pt school so i'm sure we'll talk about that project once our data collection is done um but yeah so i went to that wedding so i shaved yesterday so it's gonna be bad i'll probably be the only person in the crowd without a beard but it'll be all right there you go yeah. Well, before we sign off, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review if you can. And also check us out on Instagram at Better Faster Podcast. We've got a lot of announcements and updates coming up. I uh, mentioned one of the two kind of courses coming up. So again, the first is Donnie Thompson's Body Tempering Certification, Saturday, April 13th. Then on May 18th and 19th, Strength and Conditioning in the Clinic, which is going to be conducted by Dr. Kyle Thibodeau and Josh Jeffrey. Both are going to be at Vertex PT Specialist in Casey, South Carolina. And the link for registration for those is in the show notes. That's it. Hope you all have a great week and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.